There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning to the Tuesday edition of the podcast. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. We're in Blaine, Pennsylvania, in the midst of our Blaine Fall meetings. We certainly thank the Lord for the Word of God that's gone forth. Thank the Lord for the services we've had thus far. We certainly appreciate Stephen Asquith filling in on the podcast yesterday. Stephen surrendered to preach, I guess, a little bit over a year ago, and I think he's doing a fine job preaching. We certainly appreciate the message that he brought on the podcast. If you're interested in the services here in Blaine at 1030 this morning, 7 o'clock each night through Friday, and then Thursday morning, there will be a special 1030 service also. So if you're able to come out, we'd love to have you in the services. And if you would, at least pray for the services. Pray the Lord just have his will and his way in each and every service. We're back in Matthew chapter 15 today. The word of God says this, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now, this begins to address one of the issues we spoke of in an earlier podcast concerning the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus Christ also refers to them as the hypocrites. And part of the understanding is that they are religious zealots. They have all the ideals of religion. They have the practice of religion. Many of them are participants in the law of God, but they have the traditions of men. And that tradition puts burdens on others. And they put that burden on others without helping them, not lifting a finger to take the burden off of them. That's what religion does versus the work of grace in the lives of folks. And so religion will burden you down. Religion will be oppressive. Religion will make you miserable. And yet, the grace of God will give you relief. The grace of God will bring liberty. The grace of God will bring you joy and peace in your life. And so they ask this, why do they wash, not wash their hands when they eat bread? But he answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? What's the greater weight? The traditions of men, the traditions of God. Uh, the tradition of God is the law of God. And the law of God is that perfect law of God, that perfect law of liberty, which now is in Jesus Christ. And that law of God is perfect, converting the soul. And yet they don't see this. Why? Because they have the traditions rather than the commandments of God. And yet they claim to be keepers of the law of God. The scribes would be, they would be scribing the words, transferring them from parchment to parchment uh, very diligently. They would know the word of God, understand the word of God. The Pharisees would understand the word of God. The Pharisees would know the word of God. And yet they believed the law of God. Most of them practiced the law of God. The apostle Paul was Pharisee of the Pharisees. He obeyed the laws of God, but what God used to reveal to him his lost condition was his lust, the fact that he was a covetous man. And I don't know what that lust was. He never does tell us what that lust is. And there's many types of lust, but they all go around covetousness, desire and that which you have not. You can covet your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's ox, your neighbor's ash, your neighbor's lands. There's many things you can covet. And yet the apostle Paul came under the law of God, and God condemned him with that law. And then Jesus Christ says, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. 
Now, that is the law of God. And he tells them to honor their father and mother. And if you curse your father and mother, you are going to die the death. And I know there's a young lady that's been under our ministry that we know personally has testified on this podcast that God used those verses to deal with her heart in a matter of salvation. Uh, because in her heart, she was cursing her father and her mother. And yet they had the tradition. Their tradition is not just that they're going to curse in their heart. They're not going to outwardly curse their father and mother. They're not going to mock them openly. But here's what they did. In verse 5, he says, But you say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And you're just a snot-nosed little brat if you think your parents are profited by you. And there's no profit. The, the Word of God tells us that the children to honor the parents. It's the parents that brought them into this world. It's the parents that have reared them. It's the parents that have sacrificed to give them anything that they have. It's the parents that sacrifice to give them education, to provide food for them. It's the father that goes out hopefully in labors and works with his hands that he might have to feed his family. It's that mother that takes care of that home and raises those children for the glory of God. And yet when the child says that they might be profited by me, it's against the law of God. It's cursing their parents in their heart. And he said, it is a gift. And, you know, God forbid, I think I'm a gift to my parents. God forbid all the troubles and the heartaches and the sorrows I put my parents through and the sleepless nights and the angst that's caused, that I would think that I am a gift to them. But he's in verse 6, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. I had the privilege of speaking to a man who uh, is in the Amish community just the other day, and we were speaking of these traditions. We were speaking to the things that really laid men down with burdens because of tradition. Why we do what we do, and every family has traditions, every person has traditions, every church has traditions. And uh, you know, I'm not going to judge whether your tradition is spiritual, carnal, foolish, because my family does pretty weird stuff itself. And for many years, we celebrated what we called Butchmas, and that was because my brother-in-law, Butch, uh, we always celebrated his birthday and called it Butchmas. And I, I doubt there's families that do that. And it wasn't a, necessarily a wicked thing. It certainly wasn't a spiritual thing. We'd sing Butchmas carols and we'd offer Butchmas gifts and everything else. But the reality is you're dealing with people that they have the idea of what their traditions are are greater than what God said. And that's where we are with a lot of folks today. And they have a tradition that they offer God. It is an offering really made to God. They're saying, this is my tradition. I'm offering you this. Yet they don't obey the law of God. They don't believe the law of God. And they're not subject to the law of God. Here's two sects of religion, the scribes and the Pharisees, and neither one of them obeys the law of God. They have the law of God. As a matter of fact, the Jews had the oracles of God. There are many churches today that carry a King James Bible. They don't honor God. They don't believe God. Uh, they take their tradition over what the Word of God says. Many of the plain community take their tradition over what the Word of God says. And in fact, they'll contend with the Word of God, but they'll choose their tradition. Soul winning is one of those great traditions churches take. And they'll go out soul winning. They demand people go soul winning, soul winning. But they ignore the law of God. It doesn't matter if you're unclean or unrighteous or filthy. As long as you put on a shirt and tie and have polished shoes and your hair slicked down, you can go out and go soul winning. But they, regardless of what the law of God says concerning the inward man— and I've known men that went out soul winning that later on were caught in sin, dead in trespasses and sins, never were converted themselves, but they were zealous soul winners. In fact, some of them came back with 15, 20 people saved in a weekend, and they were zealous for God, yet it turned out that they themselves most likely didn't have salvation. I went to visitation with a man back in the, in the early 2000s, and the next day he stole a van, flipped it on I-70, got locked up back in prison. And yet I'd been on visitation less than 24 hours prior to that. In fact, I woke up, listened to the radio. We had a pseudo-Christian radio station near us, and I had it on my alarm clock. 
And as I woke up Sunday morning to go to church, I heard his name mentioned over the radio station as being arrested on I-70 near Cumberland, Maryland. And yet he was a zealous soul winner. So many people converted under his ministry in his own thinking. And so these traditions outweigh the word of God. These traditions outweigh what God said. And he goes on, he says in verse seven, then you hypocrites, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, why is that? Because their tradition has turned their heart from God. Rather than believe the words of God, rather than take the word of God, they use a tradition and make that a spiritual matter. And when tradition becomes spiritual, it's actually carnal. And yet they can't see that. And I've watched folks contend over those type of spiritual things. So Jesus Christ deals with the root of their problem, their sin, which is inward. Uh, and their inward, by the way, is a reflection of the fact that they don't know God. They've never been born of God. And the reality of it is they, they have this idea that their lips are telling you what they want you to think of them. But God looks upon the heart. Their hearts are far from him. And there's so many today that spend all their time convincing people they have something they don't have. Or convincing people they are something they're not. I've known people that were tremendous workers in the church that volunteered to do any task in the church, and volunteered to do anything they could in the church, and today they don't even attend church. Today they're completely sodden in sin. And I've dealt with assistant pastors, even pastors, that would work so zealously, I mean, really, you know, dawn to dusk, they'd be out there laboring and working, trying to get people in, and proving what great Christians they were. And today they're not even in ministry. I know of men that have gone into adultery, gone into great sin. Why? They did not obey the law of God. They would not believe the word of God. They just had a tradition. Their lips spoke great swelling words, but their hearts were not with God. And the adulterer's heart is not with God. The fornicator's heart is not with God. The covetous man, his heart is not with God. So no matter how much he speaks these words, no matter how much he speaks of holiness and righteousness and godliness, his heart is far from God. And that's what Isaiah prophesied about this people. Draweth nigh unto me with their mouths, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. It's vain worship. You know, worship is a heavenly attribute. It's a kingdom of heaven. You and I on earth can worship God, and we worship in the beauty of holiness. And it's not, therefore, an earthly event. Yes, it takes place on earth, but it's something that's between us and God. It has nothing to do with man. And yet they've taught that that worship is, is in the things of the flesh, in the separations, in the traditions. And that's where the worship is. And, you know, one of the things, I, and I'm not mocking or making light of this, but I know a lot of churches have a candlelight service on Christmas Eve or something like that. And people come out of the woodwork for a candlelight service. And you go in there, and I don't like it because I'm old enough now. I can't read the hymnal when the candles are lit. And so it kind of just annoys me. But they go there and they just love the smell of the holly and they love the smell of the pine branches and the candles burning. It's just sensual and they all sing kumbaya and hold hands. And it's just a beautiful thing. I know people that go to other churches because they have beautiful candlelight services and they have pipe organs and they have orchestras. And yet there's nothing spiritual about that. But on Christmas Eve, boy, everybody and their uncle wants to go to a candlelight service. Churches advertise on the billboards. Why? Because people come out of the woodwork for a candlelight service because they have this idea that somehow this is going to make them spiritual this one day out of the year, kind of like Easter does. It's amazing as folks that find out that Easter, all of a sudden they're a Christian. And that's, a, that's always been a wonder to me. And all of a sudden they realize, oh, you know, I'll probably go to church today. You know, this, this is the one day out of the year. Jesus Christ resurrected only one day. The other 364 days, we don't worship him or serve him. But they come out and go, go to church. They attend church. They love Easter Sunday. Why? Because they teach the doctrines of the commandments of men. 
And they're taught that on Easter, you ought to go to church. On Christmas, you ought to go to church. And the, the commandments of men, in fact, in religiousdom, in Catholicism, you know, really a lot of Protestant churches, they're pressured to go Easter and Christmas. I mean, God forbid you miss an Easter Sunday. But the reality is those of us who are saved by the grace of God, we have a risen Savior every day. Therefore, every day we walk with God. Every day we rise and, and meet with Christ and worship him. But the hypocrite can't do that because it's all fake. It's all phony. It's all false. It's all sensual. It's all flesh. It has nothing to do with the word of God. In verse 10, he called the multitude and said to them, hear and understand. And that's a great commandment that he said to them. You must listen to these things. I want you to open your ears and hear this and understand what I'm saying. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. So it's not what you take in, it's what comes out. Listen, you can sit in a bar. I'm not recommending this, but I've used this as an illustration before. You can sit in a bar, country music playing, swearing all around you, fights breaking out, people drinking liquor, smoking cigarettes. You can sit there and be sanctified unto Jesus Christ if your heart's right. But if you leave that bar and that filth comes out of you, that's what's defiled you because you're in Christ. Your life is hid with God in Christ. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out. And people don't realize it's the spewing of the venom of their wretched heart, the bitterness of their wretched heart, the anger of their wretched heart, and it spews out of them. It's putrid, it's vile, and yet they don't see that's where their problem is. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out. So Jesus Christ says, hear this, understand this. What you are is what your words say. What you are is what comes out of you, not what goes in. You don't, it's not your clothing that makes you what you are. It's not your separation that makes you what you are. What you are is what's inside of you. And that bitter and sweet waters can't come out of the same fountain. James told us that. And so if bitter water pours out of you, guess what? You got a bitter heart. And if ugliness comes out of you, you got an ugly heart. And if vileness comes out, you got a vile heart. Perversion comes out of you, you got a pervert heart. But if you can speak the things of Christ and speak with peace and joy and be a peacemaker, it's because there might be peace in your heart. That's what he tells you. And thank God that those of us that used to speak vile things, used to speak reprehensible things and, and uncultural things and vile things, unbelievable, wicked things now can speak of the mercies of God and speak of the tenderness of God and the kindness of God and the loving kindness of God. And yet, out of that same mouth, every once in a while can come vileness. Why? Because it's still in the heart. Then he came with the disciples and said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Well, of course they were, because they've done everything to clean up the outside, but they're whited walls, they're whited sepulchers, their hearts are wicked, they do not believe the law of God. It's just a show. It's just religion. It's just a practice. And yet that's 99% of religion today. It's just the practice of religion. I remember a quick illustration. I'll close with this. But there's a man that had gotten saved out of a life of crack cocaine and uh, amongst other things. And he got out of prison, started coming to church. I was there the Sunday morning that God saved him. And he and I became good friends and, and started laboring together in the ministry. And we went to knock on the lady's door one day and he's giving her his testimony. And he was a little uncouth, a little undisciplined at things. And He's the guy that knock on people's door and say, you know what the book of Jeremiah says? And they say, no. He goes, well, you're going to hell. And then they look at me and expect me to explain that to people. And that's a true story. And he goes, this lady, he knocks on the door. And, and she comes up. He begins to tell her testimony, explains what God had done for him. And, and he says, you know, later the day I got saved, he's, I had a crack ball about an inch across. He's, it was the size of a ping pong ball. And all I wanted to do is spend all day smoking that ball of crack. But I was under such conviction, I knew God was going to kill me if I smoked that crack ball. 
And this lady just grabs him arm. She goes, son, I know that's not a true story. You're such a good boy. And he said, no, lady, I was a wicked man. You don't understand. Oh, she's no, you're such a good boy. And then she says, she's, I mean, you're all dressed up. You got a nice shirt and a necktie on. And I said, well, that's what religion teaches you. You know, as a lot of perverts wear shirts and ties, a lot of child molesters wear shirts and ties, a lot of vile people wear shirts and ties. And yet, it's not, you know, what their heart is. It's what their outward appearance is. That's what people look at. Oh, what a nice guy. No, he's not a nice guy. He goes in his truck and looks at pornography secretly. He's not a nice guy. He goes and drinks beer like a swill hog. He's not a nice guy. He curses and offends God with his profanity. We need to look at the outward appearance and let God look upon the heart. Because what comes out of that heart is what God sees. What's in that heart is what God's looking at. And we see the fruits of that in our own life by the things that secretly come out of our heart. Those things that we speak with our heart, and yet God can take those things and reveal our need to us through those things. But the Pharisees would not hear that they were offended by that because they could not see their own hearts. All they saw was their works, and their works were satisfactory in their eyes, yet not satisfactory in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Have a great day. Come out to the services. You'd be welcome to visit with us in Blaine. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.